1: Hello everyone. welcome back to Road of His Overtime on Road of His Radio, brought to you by Blue Wire. My name is Colin Kelly, you can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland, and as always I am joined by Sean Siegel. Sean, we are right in the thick of things, it's, it's hard to believe we're already entering NFL Week 4. It is coming... Thick and fast, it will soon feel like we're still talking. It's gonna be NFL week 10. So things are moving at a rapid pace. And with that, with us doing the shows with the content up on rotobiz.com, the goal is always to help your fantasy football roster to be able to compete for those championships. It might feel like it's been a little bit tough through those opening two weeks, it might feel like it's going great. The key is to keep that train on the tracks and to push on towards those fantasy football playoffs. So we're looking forward to bringing you all that content throughout the entire NFL season. We go. 52 weeks a year here on road of radio we have you covered at all times but sean we like to take it from different approaches how we look at it rest of season how we look at it heading into 2023 2024 and beyond and today we're going to look at it with a little bit of a dynasty eye but that should also help people think for the duration of the rest of the season i think the key with fantasy a lot of the time is how you compare the different areas where you're playing into one strategy almost to help that mindset go 365 days Throughout the year. One of my favorite things that you and Ben have done on podcasts over the last couple of years is projecting the first and second rounds of the following year's fantasy football redraft leagues when you are in the preseason kind of the year before. And it gives you that idea of which players are going to ascend so much in value that they're in the first and second rounds the following year and who's going to drop off and not be worth the value they are at this current moment in time. So, our process today and the article that you've posted up on rotawiz.com is going to kind of maybe we'll approach it in that kind of mindset as to maybe these players aren't hitting these points now and maybe because it's dynasty people are going to be surprised at who is maybe at the very upper echelon off this list that is part of the process and projecting ahead for dynasty as well sean so we are going to jump into it but before we do that i have to welcome you to the show and uh we are excited for nfl week four but sean how excited are you for week four in general
2: i'm fired up and these first three weeks have been great they're the normal Sorts of injuries and disappointments, but we've had so many early breakouts. The teams are looking so deep at the wide receiver position, which in 2022 especially has been so important in terms of getting all of those points into the lineup, having the flex depth to put together a super squad. Uh, Some of the teams that haven't performed as well, you look at the rosters and you can tell that the points are coming. And so I'm excited. I mean, this is about the most excited that I think I've been through three weeks in a long time. It's just been such a fun season. We talked on Stealing Bananas about how poorly the running backs have been doing. We're going to see some bounce back from that position. So I mean, we're not going to go the whole year with all of these guys below expectation in terms of fantasy points based on the workload. Should have some real shootouts over the next month. And- Colm, you mentioned the running back rankings. We did wide receiver rankings on the show last week. The new rankings are up on the site. We had some questions about that because there were a few adjustments that I did make then after the week three games. A few guys rising, a few guys obviously falling back. Here early in the season, especially for some of the young players, you can get quite a bit of movement in the early going because how they establish themselves both Uh, From things that are talent related and then some situational things, some contextual things with the team and what the volume is going to be, all of those elements are going to move them up and down. That obviously creates some risk when you're making trades, but it also creates the upside that you want on those teams. You have to be willing to embrace the uncertainty, not just in redraft, which has been a constant drumbeat for us, but also in dynasty, where yeah, you can lose some value, you can also gain value, but bigger picture, you have a team that is ascending in terms of value the interesting thing here is that because of the running back position in general and how it relates to wide receivers overall with construction and then with this 2022 season being a rough start for the running back position a lot of the stars aging one of the reasons that 2023 that draft has been so targeted by dynasty managers is that it does give us an influx of new talent and young talent obviously at the running back position people are very excited about how that's going to refill the ranks but right now when you look at these first two tiers at running back only two players in the first two tiers overall now frequent listeners will know that the tiers are based on trade values that we have set out on the site with the rankings as well so By the time that you get to the third running back, we have 11 or 12 wide receivers already gone. The first running back, Jonathan Taylor, no surprise there. He has underperformed last year's fantasy scoring on a workload basis by more than a touchdown in terms of what a normal person would do. I mean, Jonathan Taylor was way above average last year. He's underperforming by about two and a half points, which especially through three weeks is no big deal. He was stopped in week two. He was corralled by the Chiefs in week three. Not all teams are going to be able to do that to them. If the receivers stay a little bit healthier, this is one element where even if you don't have a lot of Michael Pittman, but if you have Jonathan Taylor, you're probably hoping that Pittman stays healthy and can provide a little bit at the receiver position so that all 11 defenders aren't keying on Jonathan Taylor every play. He's going to break those long runs. He's going to score some touchdowns, even if it doesn't hit last year's level he's still declared number one the number two might be a little bit surprising
1: yeah i think that's the one that's going to perk up some ears here and i think for long term or even i guess you can say in the short term for this guy because he's only entered the nfl this year he is a rookie it is Brees hall i don't think that people who have been listening in since that draft coverage and they'll know how excited we are with Brees hall entering the nfl what his capabilities are some of the shows sean i believe you may have even touted him as a potential young jonathan taylor you know in terms of the the profile coming out but i think there's a huge amount of excitement to have around him heading in he is with michael carter he is with the jets they are about to have a quarterback change but we're also looking at the dynasty value the long-term value as well Brees hall though through three weeks of the nfl season outside of if he came in and got you know 80 percent of the work dominated in every game it hasn't gone like perfect for him but it has gone pretty well and the numbers in the peripherals around what he has done so far have been quite positive and i don't think the sentiment maybe is as high around the community for Brees hall as it, maybe it should be and you having him as the lone running back in tier two and i think people who drafted him this year probably are not going to be looking to move him on but i think he is a running back that maybe he is not at the the peak of his value in terms of the expectations from all managers and all leagues uh, that people may be able to take advantage of based on on your ranking here
2: Yeah, and partly this ranking is a little bit of a confirmation of where we were in the preseason. You look at the RV Triflex rankings, and again, we have a bunch of teams in this format. So we're, we're playing actively in the one that we talk about a lot. We also reference it because the format is very similar to what so many dynasty managers are now using in startup drafts. So we have a a really good source of what high stakes players are doing in this type of format. Brees Hall in the final month of startup, so looking in August, he was the 301. He was the RB6. So that's in Superflex, he was the 301 and the RB6 behind Najee Harris at two, Javante Williams at three, Christian McCaffrey at four, DeAndre Swift at five, and then he would come in there at six. My rankings had him with McCaffrey around the 1-2 turn. I kind of moved those guys back and forth, which one was higher, at different points during the offseason. It now looks to me like when I had Brees Hall higher that that was probably right. It's been a pretty rough start for McCaffrey, and especially when he's in that age where a bat can lose a huge amount of dynasty value quickly. This isn't the, the time period for Christian McCaffrey to have a little bit of a dip and be able to sort of maintain that status. Reese Hall comes out, he's averaging over five yards per carry. They haven't had a lot of touches in the running game. This has been a very pass-heavy offense, but he has been surprisingly an equal, if not a bigger part of that, than Michael Carter, who, I mean, Michael Carter has a lot of these Austin Eckler-ish elements to his game. So for Hall to come out and immediately take so many of the targets to look so fluid in the passing game, Paul looks like a version of David Johnson or Le'Veon Bell, who also possesses close to, probably not quite to the level, but close to the long speed of a Jonathan Taylor. So uh, much closer to Taylor in terms of that long gain ability, that explosive straight line athleticism than either David Johnson or Le'Veon Bell, two guys who... Very few big backs have ever been able to make guys miss at the point of contact, have that lateral agility, explosiveness that they have. Hall takes most of those characteristics and adds the long speed. There are questions about this offense, but his combination of draft pedigree, actual profile, speaking more to kind of that intersection of where he was picked, but even more than that, how good his profile actually was and then what he's doing in the early going, his age and how we look at the rest of these backs and where they are. I think that he's pretty clearly the number two. If you took him at that 2-3 turn in Superflex startups this offseason, I think you're going to be pretty happy, even if you have to be patient. One of the elements here is that dynasty points, just like redraft points of the running back position, have been somewhat difficult to to find and to get into your lineup you might be in a position where you have hall he hasn't scored a ton of points for you you're middle of the pack you're trying to figure out you know what direction you want to go this year are you competing in year one do you have to take a little bit of a step back and aim at year two he was one of the guys and and we actually drafted both or drafted slash traded for both McCaffrey and Brees Hall in that draft that I did with Patrick Corain because McCaffrey hasn't blown up, and because Justin Herbert has gotten hurt and hasn't scored quite to the level we were hoping, our team is one and two, still a very powerful potential team, but not the depth that we'll have two, three years from now. And so, when you're dealing with that startup roster that still has potential holes, if you have injuries or if you have underperforming players, then you have some interesting questions in terms of what direction you want to go. When you have the young players, you have the flexibility to do whatever you want and to take whatever path makes the most sense in the moment. If you get too heavy in one direction or the other, then you don't really have those options. So again, we're trying to build the most total talent. I think that Hall is going to be a a big scorer in the second half of the season, but also he looks like a guy who, if we have someone who becomes the next Uber back, if we have someone Who gets back up into that 23 to 25 point per game range you know maybe it'll be one of the rookies from 2023 either in 2023 four or five a range in there but Brees Hall has a great opportunity
1: yeah he's certainly somebody it feels like this is your final chance to buy this between now and Sunday depending obviously things can go one way he could unfortunately get injured he could have a bad game whatever it feels like the buy window is closing pretty quick here on Brees Hall based on the the last uh, three weeks, and it hasn't just really all clicked, but uh, it's going to be interesting to see how he fits in with Zach Wilson coming back into that offense as well. But Sean, the next two tiers, tier three and tier four, I find are very, very interesting. The players you would expect to have in those two tiers are kind of in there, but both of them are split up in ways that is kind of the veteran presence and the young presence in those groups. So, tier three is Javante Williams, DeAndre Swift, Saquon Barkley, and Christian McCaffrey, who you've already mentioned. Saquon Barkley has kind of rehabbed all of his fantasy value that maybe people were concerned about heading and and maybe at the midpoint of last season I'm sure some people have got fantastic you know stories of trades that they pulled off for Saquon Barkley when people were most concerned about him you also have Javante Williams who's in his second year and you have DeAndre Swift who is unfortunately banged up at the moment but has looked fantastic in the games that he has been healthy in which three weeks into the season has been about (laughs) six quarters but sean that tier is very very interesting feels like pretty fair to have those guys where they are based on their age based on what they've done in the league so far and then based on the young guys and their potential any of those guys that were anywhere near squeezing into tier two or do you feel that those top two guys are clearly in that top tier and then tier three what is your overall thoughts
2: i think you can make an argument for javante williams up there the issue for him in some ways similar to the issue for Brees Hall, but you have that other elite talent in the backfield. Now, the question is whether Hall is going to face more of a long-term issue with Michael Carter also being a young guy and Javante Williams could come out and be the player who's getting Taylor, McCaffrey, Barkley types of touches in the future He's the youngest guy in this group. He's got the biggest window for that play and trade dynamic that we talk about all the time. Right now, he hasn't done what we were hoping as a ball carrier. They've actually used Gordon in some of the higher-value, pure runner types of opportunities early on. He's underperformed as a receiver in terms of what he's done as, after he's made the catch. Those things, very, very, very tiny red flags the Broncos offense not as dynamic as we were hoping I think that they are a buy low sort of across the board I think they're going to get better quickly but the question now is they're going to get better but but what level too? because I think that everyone was expecting them to start at a higher level than they are and then get better from there so if we're starting at this really gross level that they were at in the Sunday night game Uh, where they win 11 to 10. I mean, you can get a lot better and still there are going to be some disappointing things in terms of what we originally thought the ceiling might be for the players in that offense. Now, I mean, Javante Williams is the number three overall back in fantasy in dynasty. So again, we see big things for him. DeAndre Swift would have been a threat or would have been in that group if he doesn't have those early injuries. You just, at this point, we've already gotten... To where Swift looks a lot like Dalvin Cook. And if you're just constantly dealing with these injuries throughout the course of his career, some things that are like borderline chronic, not that he can't heal and, and mostly be fine, but a running back needs to be able to take these hits. If your shoulders are an issue, then I mean, that's just tough. It's not something that we blame on him. It's just one of these very unfortunate types of developments. Then we get down to the little bit older players. And you say older, I mean, Saquon Barkley, 25 years old. But you know, next year he'll be twenty-six. The year after that, he'll be twenty-seven. Can you play him for two years and then trade him for a lot?
1: He'll be a year older each year that passes. He will be an older yes.
2: And as a result of that, like any downturn like we saw before, you mentioned some of these trades. Ben and I were able to get him on our RV triflex team. That has worked out really well. I mean, right now, what you're looking at with Saquon Barkley is you're looking at the player who ranks number two in expected points through three weeks. And he's right there on the cusp of having that coveted EP double-double. 9.6 as a rusher, 10.1 as a receiver. And I, we probably mentioned this already, but that's despite the fact that he spent pass blocking on a number of these plays. There, there is a potential for him to maybe not jump from the 10 receiving EP level, but have some of these other opportunities in other games to sustain that. I mean, anytime that guys are up there at 10 receiving EP per game, you're thinking, well, I mean, that's going to fall back into that seven or eight range, even in a somewhat optimistic outlook. Now, maybe that's not going to be the case for Austin Eckler, who is at 10.5, but only a five rushing EP. So sitting down there at 15.5 overall, I mean, you could see based on the way that he's been used in the past and what makes sense to do with him, that he could stick at that level. But most of these guys, I mean, they're going to fall, right? Joe Mixon is at that same number. I mean, he's not going to stick there. Javante Williams is at almost 12. He's not going to stick there. Saquon Barkley could. And when you put that with what he's doing as a rusher, so he's number two overall in expected points. He's probably going to finish in that range. Joe Mixon will fall below him. Javante Williams might be able to challenge, but it's going to be tough with Melvin Gordon. Jonathan Taylor might be able to challenge. I mean, Barkley, Taylor, and McCaffrey pretty clearly are going to be those three guys based on what we're seeing so far. And right now, Barkley and Taylor have a gap over McCaffrey because of McCaffrey's workload, though a lot of touches <laughs> hasn't been what we want at all for fantasy, right? So with Barkley, you have The work, but you also have him as one of only two players in the RB1 tier who are currently positive in fantasy points over expectation. Now, you can say, well, I mean, maybe there's some regression threat there, but the main element is he's been able to do that in the context of an offense that has a lot of problems, but a coaching staff that's able to work around some of those a little bit better and you're going to get some of the guys back at wide receiver to hopefully help some of these other players out. Now, is he going to be able to consistently create the long runs that he's done? I mean, probably not. One of the reasons why Taylor is currently at minus 2.7 instead of up over 4, which is he was at last year, is that not every game and not every three-game stretch can you create those types of plays. But Barkley, like Taylor, probably not quite to the same extent, but Barkley, like Taylor, has the athleticism to create them intermittently and to give you the big games at times that allows your team to get where it needs to be. And so Barkley here, I think has pretty convincingly now moved ahead of Christian McCaffrey. He's a year younger. And that year, again, in dynasty, it actually is a big deal, even though it sounds silly. You look at where he is with his offense, where McCaffrey is with his offense. And I mean, we've, we've seen the switch here. So McCaffrey was the RB four. Saquon Barkley, even in that final month before the season was down there at running back 10. If you have Barkley, you're really excited about how the beginning of the season has gone. And that's, that's true in all formats. He does look like he's going to be the 2022 league winner, or at least in that conversation, if he stays healthy.
1: Yeah, he does. And also then probably we won't talk about this exactly today, but it gets into that conversation then about the championship window and keeping that open for multiple years, maybe, saquon Barkley is somebody who maybe you can slide out and, and take in some other pieces potentially at this particular point to, to keep that window open but he does feel like somebody who's going to be hard to part with at this particular moment in time tier four sean has a similar theme in terms of the younger guys and the veterans but i think this is a very interesting tier in terms of where these young guys could go so we have jk dobbins kenneth walker travis Etienne, Aaron jones derrick henry nick chubb and austin eckler so the veterans obviously being the the latter guys mentioned there but jk dobbins kenneth walker particularly etn and dobbins they're guys who have had their injury issues are both now healthy hopefully we're going to see over the next couple of weeks their roles continue to expand in their offenses a little bit more of a challenge for etn with how James Robinson has played early in this season. His recovery has been remarkable from his injury. Somebody who is very easy to root for in the NFL based on where he's come throughout his career. But ETN hopefully will be able to, to sandwich his way in and take more off that workload. JK Dobbins leads the way in tier four. It is a fascinating tier overall. But for me, Dobbins, I think, is pretty close. If we said one of these guys jumps into tier three over the next six weeks, I think. Dobbins would be the name that I would pick out of that list. But what are your overall thoughts on on tier four? And again, same question as the last time, the guys in tier four, was there some of them that were on the borderline of scraping into tier three?
2: Not right now. And that's because the young guys all have pretty serious questions that they have to answer. Travis Etienne was up there before the James Robinson you know, reemergence. It's not really a breakout. We've seen James Robinson do these things before he came into the NFL and was immediately a star back, even though his draft status wouldn't indicate that. He suffers an injury that has been just completely debilitating for running backs and yet recovers in a time frame that just seems almost ridiculous. magical. Yeah, and and he's making plays out there in both the rushing and receiving game that look like peak david johnson right so that that's an issue for you there's just no way that it can't be when we talk about the very limited time horizons for running backs in dynasty so it becomes a problem is the talent still there almost certainly he looks extremely explosive in this offense i think that they'll use him more as the season goes along he's going to break some big plays there are going to be these moments of extreme enthusiasm for travis Etienne. It helps him that the offense has been better than expected. That's going to create more opportunities in favorable situations. Does it perhaps diminish his chances to pile up, you know, five, six, seven receptions, you know, once a month or so in garbage time? Possibly. So that's something where if you were counting on that element of it, and it was something that was in play. It was something that wasn't necessarily the thing we were relying on but it was one possible element that was bolstering his value in all formats going into the season we maybe lose a little bit of that not that the jaguars won't have games that they're trailing in but this doesn't look like a team that's gonna you know be like the White jaguars are about to.
1: they're about to go on a run here the jaguars okay
2: okay yeah i mean
1: there's a little bit of tongue-in-cheek in that but uh yeah they, this is not your 2021 jacksonville jaguars with the. Uh, shambles of a uh, coaching staff.
2: These are not your college football Jaguars. Yeah, they <laughs> they look good. So, called tell me the, the situation here with J.K. Dobbins. You say that he is probably the guy who could push up into Tier 3. We got to see him play in a game. I think there were some positive things in that game. Obviously, if you're a J.K. Dobbins fan, if you're a J.K. Dobbins manager, then... I mean, the dream scenario is he comes out and rushes for 100 yards and breaks off a couple big plays, gets down there by the goal line, and the Ravens want to get him feeling really good right off the bat. So they give him a touchdown there, and he scores a touchdown. Maybe he gets a third and fourth target. I mean, you can draw up dream outcomes where he had a 25-point game in his debut. That wasn't super likely. The things that did happen were positive. He comes out healthy. He's used in the receiving game. The team scores a ton of points. All of those things are elements that have given like legitimate starting caliber running backs in the NFL for the Baltimore Ravens good scores in the past. Now they haven't really had that over the last 12 to 14 months, and they may be finding another one now in Justice Hill, which throws a little wrinkle in. What are you looking for from JK Dobbins? How enthusiastic were you after seeing him in week three? a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas.
1: There's a lot to be enthusiastic about based on the fact that he has got back out on the NFL field. It felt like that was never going to happen at certain points over the the opening weeks of the season. I thought that we were not going to get a full workload from him in week three. I thought we were kind of going to get what we got. And I think the key with him is that he didn't do anything to temper or lower our expectations. He didn't go in and really struggle in certain situations. So my thoughts with him is when we have seen this team in the past, even last season, two seasons ago, they have run through the carps of former uh, you know, fantasy football stars you know, in this backfield. And they were able to get into the end zone he has so much more talent and ability at this point of his career than any of those guys that were being shipped out there and having those opportunities lamar jackson is going to be a little bit of a not a little bit a lot of a threat to steal some of that work inside the 10 yard line inside the, the 20 yard line sometimes even from inside his own half but he is going to also be able to help open up lanes in this situation for jk dobbins and it isn't going to be a case that he is going to break off those big runs each and every time but we have seen how having that russian quarterback and lamar jackson helps open up holes for the running backs the other running backs that were also in there early in the season in week one and week two did absolutely nothing and the other part that would be positive is that when dobbins was in there he was able to make things happen and to be able to find those holes so with hell there that is going to take some of the work but i don't think it's going to be a situation where you know hell is a threat to take the majority of that work i think that Dobbins is going to be the lead back here and, and get the majority of what is going to come his way. It is also quite a concentrated offense, and I think that's going to help potentially add some pass volume to J.K. Dobbins. The concern with Dobbins and anyone who has played with Lamar Jackson is there isn't a lot of passes to the running back. Not just Lamar Jackson, but Russian quarterbacks in general doesn't seem doesn't tend to look for their running back as often as somebody who's you know obviously less mobile. So I'm hoping that it's going to to all paid together i don't think it has to be a perfect scenario where he gets you know 20 carries every game but we do know that the baltimore ravens want to run and lead this offense through the run between running backs and quarterbacks so i think that he's going to get enough work to be able to, to be a real fantasy star
2: and if they do become a little bit more pass heavy this year which is definitely what's happened in the first three weeks that could actually benefit dobbins so definitely big... well like you know if bateman breaks off some of these big plays particularly
1: he has you know the the play against the jets as an example but then he takes the short pass against miami and he goes the whole way that's really not going to push the defense too far back on you know screen passes but on those deep shots the safeties are going to have to start to drop back and i have seen some information this week in terms of the lower scoring around the nfl That part of that is that defenses are playing a little bit more conservatively in their coverage and they're playing with more you know deep safeties sitting back so there's not as many of those chances to go over the top but the more you take out of the box against you know these teams who are good at rushing, not just teams who want to rush the ball and run into brick walls, but the teams who want to try try and open up those uh, rushing lanes. If you can get them to respect the pass, it's going to open things a lot more for the running back.
2: It will. And it will also open some of just these pure targets to the running back, which could be very, very helpful. The part that most people are most concerned about with Dobbins is just, where do you get the ceiling from if – they don't pass to the running back, even in a limited workload in week three, he caught a couple of passes. That could really emerge as a much bigger part of this offense than I think even the optimists were projecting, you know, even a few weeks ago. So that part, very encouraging. On the other element then here is we have the veterans and dynasty is just like redraft in that at some point you've got to score some points and you've got to win your games because we don't have the same Dynamic in dynasty where you have peak players who also have a ton of trade value at the running back position, then older guys who are still elite will move into that range because that is the way that you win in the present. And it's not necessarily that I'm recommending that for our petrol reloading teams or that I think that you have to have that but we have to be able to represent the actual and fair value of those players within this format and so that's where these next group of guys come from you have Aaron Jones Derrick Henry Nick Chubb Austin Eckler none of them really project a score at a level where you could move them into the higher tiers but all of them contribute enough that if you are in a win now mode and once you're several years in with this approach, I mean, you should not be in a win-now mode all the time because your consistent reloading has created so much depth that there's very little you could run into in terms of early season injuries or early season underperformance to where you wouldn't just have other players that you can fill in. One of the things you can then do with all of these extra resources that you generated is make a move for a running back like this to... Help you in the current year. If you're doing that from a position of weakness, then you end up cannibalizing your team, your championship window closes, and you regret the move. If you're doing it from a position of strength, I mean, sometimes you have so much of what the other managers in your league need that um, you can make some of these moves. And number one, it's a win win for you and your trade partner. But then number two, it's a big win for you because you can add these guys in and it's not going to damage your long-term plan i think that jones henry chubb and Eckler are all going to score at a level the rest of this season that will help you win dynasty leagues
1: yeah that's very well put sean and what i think as well just to give a little preview we are recording this before this article has gone live up on the website but while you are listening it will be available i will have it linked in today's show notes but sean has broken the running backs into seven tiers 46 running backs featured in it one of the things sean i think that is really really beneficial in it is tier seven is split into a grid of players who are you know different kind of reasons for their ranking young contingent upside immediate production or second act potential and sean we have seen that second act potential over the last couple of seasons prove very very valuable in the run-ins to NFL seasons particularly in fantasy so highly recommend everyone heads over and checks that out up on rotavis.com to get full 46 in terms of Sean's updated rankings but that was the first four tiers that we touched on today Sean as we touched on at the start we are excited for Thursday Night Football this is obviously coming out after if you're watching this over on the YouTube channel drop your favorite moment from Thursday Night Football into the comments so we can hear what they are hopefully there's a lot of big plays to choose from sean up on the website this week also blair again has come through with the zero rb watch i would highly recommend people check that out a lot of great content coming out each and every week up on rotaviz.com. if you want to get access to that and all the content that is available you can sign up and get yourself a nfl pass and if you want because you're listening to this podcast we have a code for you to give you an extra 10 percent off while signing up that code is rv radio 2022 at checkout or you can go to rotaviz.com slash podcast for further information sean week four is here what is your biggest wish for nfl week four other than all our fantasy teams win our matchups and we continue to go on a, a big run here to win some championships i'd say to that what is your your one wish
2: i want the first half of the atlanta falcons in week three to carry on for the season and definitely to carry on into week four they have one of these games with the cleveland browns where both teams are going to establish the run they're like we can just run through the opponent when you have nick chubb that's not a surprise when you have cordero patterson maybe it's a little bit different but patterson has demonstrated that he's in the top six or seven running backs currently in the nfl can they sustain that which coach is best able to make adjustments these teams have both been frustrating because they don't pass as much as you would like, but when they do pass, they've been very effective. The Cleveland Browns, Jacoby Brissett with Amari Cooper and David Njoku in week three, they set themselves and the fantasy world up nicely on Thursday night. Marcus Mariota, despite a handful of you know, weird late game mistakes, more or less every week, has moved the ball at will for this Falcons team. We just want to see them be even more aggressive. If you're the Atlanta Falcons, you have to win this game. You can't drop to one and three. They've blown some chances. They tried to blow week three, but did not do it. You want to see them be aggressive in using their playmakers. And then I think the other thing is just, I I hope that Detroit has enough healthy bodies in the middle of week two. They look like the most exciting team or one of the three or four most exciting teams. I should say it depends on, what your expectations were going in. I and mean, They're not competing with the Buffalo Bills. But the dynamism that they were demonstrating at that point, I think gave them a chance to be a clear playoff contender. And then possibly even in the mix for the two or three seed in the NFC, things have really deteriorated from there with all of the injuries and the late game decision that cost them in week three. I really want to see them bounce back and hammer the Seattle Seahawks Who on the other side of the ball, I also want to see them carry over what they did in week three, where they were more aggressive and really got DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett very involved. Those are a couple of games that are not the front line games from week four, but I think have a lot of fantasy repercussions and should be more fun than maybe they look like at first blush
1: this this week is shaping up to be pretty fun i'm hoping that the games that we're looking at like that really do come through this is the first week we have an nfl london game so we have an early game it's the saints and vikings i'm actually going to the the packers giants the following week over in london so we're getting that action happening there's like kind an of early morning kickoff to your nfl action so make sure you set those lineups well in advance sean you mentioned the lions and the seahawks that feels like me to be a really fun game which will feature in quite a few of my dfs lineups i'm sure This coming week you mentioned the falcons and the browns i've touched on the the jaguars in this show sean and the jaguars have proven to have a little bit of fight in them over the last two weeks trevor lawrence has looked really good we seen the eagles and the comment that you mentioned on stadium bananas this week was it's just unfortunate that the washington commanders didn't really you know push the eagles in any way to continue to put up points i think that could be a really fun game if the jaguars can you know, put a few points in against the Eagles and have a, a shootout there, hopefully. So lots of fun things to see happening. We get the Bills and the Ravens this week. So there should be some fun to happen. The Buccaneers and the Chiefs as well. So I'm looking forward to NFL week four. My wish is kind of similar to yours, Sean. I've been since Kyle Pitts breakout week each week. This is truly the, I mean it this week. This is where Kyle Pitts just absolutely smashes. This is the week, Sean. This is it. Tell me this is the week.
2: Well, when you say smashes, I mean he had a good game last week. What are you looking?
1: I, I want to see. I want to see at least a hundred yards and a touchdown. It hasn't seemed that aggressive. we were like. I was going to say three touchdowns, two touchdowns, but you know, I want to. We've we've seen where it's been shown over the first three weeks. I, but
2: I, I mean, that's one of the fun things about football is that things come in bunches. You kind of want to see those air yards turn into I mean, yards. Yeah, it manifests in in a big game. I mean, when you say the breakout, I'm thinking forty points. Are we going that high? Well, I mean, it needs to be a Mark Andrews type of game. Otherwise, it's just, you know, just a good tight end one game. So eight for 150 and two. Let's do it.
1: That would be nice. Uh, The other note I have on that is uh, at this point of the season last year, Mark Andrews, at the end of the season, we all know he was the tight end to have. He was tight end nine entering week four last season. So there's hope for Kyle Pitts to to outperform that he is still going uh, quite nicely so i'm looking forward to the falcons we we kind of shown we like to re- root and watch those teams that maybe people aren't as excited about as we are but yeah week four is going to be a lot of fun hopefully all our listeners enjoy it hopefully you've enjoyed the shows this week three more wrote about overtime shows for you hopefully you've enjoyed them all we are approaching 200 reviews on apple podcasts on the us side of things we're at 188 so head on over if you haven't already drop us a review and if you have dropped us a review in the past add in a comment or two to help refresh that that helps us all those algorithm things and and stuff like that but that is going to do it sean for the show best luck to everyone in nfl week four and until we are back with the recap show early monday morning have a good one